we pause this hour for a time of holy quiet, a time to reflect on matters of the spirit, as citizens of a nation, inhabitants of a planet, as participants in the very cosmos. We are ourselves a universe. We are a world. We are an ecosystem, a complex system of thoughts and feelings, a web of loves and hates, a matrix of anxieties and aspirations. In this quiet time, we take account of our inner ecology, how we feel about the state of our lives, what we think about the life that we lead. We consider well our ways and how we might mend them, how we might restore some kind of order to our turbulent lives. In these moments of reflection, we seek balance. We try to harmonize our lives with the earth and those we meet upon it. We seek to conserve our inner resources for what might lie ahead, to be good stewards of who and what we are to be sensitive to what we need to have, to be, to do, to give. May we find our own internal universe in tune with stars and suns and moons in their cosmic swirl. May we live in harmony with the inner ecology of our being. For these opening words by Richard S. Gilbert, welcome all those who have gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to those of you who have gathered here in person at Essex Church from extremely far and wide this morning. Welcome also to all who are joining us via Zoom with a special welcome to our friends at Brighton Unitarians. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. If it is your first time joining us this morning, we're glad you found us. Thanks for coming along. Perhaps you might like to hang around for a chat afterwards, drop us an email to say hello or perhaps come along to one of our small groups, get to know us a little bit better. I hope each and every one of you find something of what you need this morning, something that will help you get through the day or the week ahead. Whoever you are, however you are, wherever you are, know that you are welcome with us just as you are. Today's service is titled The World Knows How to Live, a title chosen by Patricia Brewerton, who will offer her reflections on the theme later on, We'll be exploring the Earth's natural powers of resilience and recovery, and hopefully gleaning a little wisdom to help us endure and bounce back from life's many challenges. But before we go any further, let's take a moment to settle ourselves, wherever we may be. Let us consecrate this time and space with our presence and intention. Let's breathe in. And as we breathe out, let us release any nagging preoccupations or distractions we might be carrying, anything that's stopping us from being here now. Let's see if we can put that aside for an hour or so. You might want to take a moment to scan your body, bring softness to any tense or tender spots. Maybe even scrunch yourself up and let go. Be here now. I'm going to light our chalice flame now, as I do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. 
May the light of this chalice be a reminder of the shared values and principles around which we gather, upholding the inherent worth and dignity of every person, cherishing all those diverse creatures and habitats with whom we share this earth, our home, seeking human liberation and flourishing and serving the common good for all. May this little light and all that it represents make a home in our hearts where it will ever guide us back to our highest aspirations. May it help us be responsive, creative, just and loving in this complex and ever-changing world. Let us sing together. Our first hymn today is number 14 in the Green Hymn Book, and it will be up on your screen if you're joining via Zoom. For the beauty of the earth. Uh, feel free to stand or sit as you prefer, and sing up if you can. For the beauty of the earth. If anyone was slightly confused about what was going on there, I realised that I took the, uh, the slides from the grey book version and the people in the room had the green book version. So, you know, it made a nice sound. <laughs> so let's take those joys and concerns into an extended time of prayer and reflection now. This prayer is based on some words by Laura Horton Ludwig. Again, you might want to adjust your position to get more comfortable. You might want to close your eyes or focus on the candles. 
any posture that might help you feel more prayerful, whatever helps you get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together and be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, each other, and that which is both within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being, we turn our full attention to you, the light within and without, as we tune into the depths of this life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all so intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. Spirit of life, spirit of earth, spirit of all that breathes and all that is, we love you. We love this planet, our one and only home, its people and all its diverse beings. We love this interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. We love it all and we want it to be well and blessed and healthy. But we are human, and as our people, our hearts are still small. So often our love and our sincere desire for the well-being of all is not yet enough to restrain our collective desire for more for ourselves, more money, more things, more power, more control. So often we act in the service of that desire in ways that harm our fellow humans and the countless beings with whom we share this earth despite our best intentions. And so often, even when we would do otherwise, we feel quite powerless in the face of it all. The problems are so big, the scale so enormous, we might feel despondent. At this stage in human history, what can one person or one small group do to change things for the better? But today, let our prayer be for hope and for commitment to stay in the struggle, to do what is right as best we can each day and to love you, spirit of earth and ocean, stars and rocks, beings of every kind, not least our human neighbours, to love this glorious whole and love ourselves too, for we are you and you are us. We are one. And let's take some time now in this beloved community to pray each our own particular prayers in a few moments of shared stillness and silence that has called to mind those people and situations who are on our hearts this morning. And let us hold them gently in loving kindness for a while.
and let us hold ourselves in loving kindness too. Each of us carries our own private burdens. So let us rest in self-compassion as we each ask silently for what we need this day. And let us take a little while to reflect on the week just gone in a spirit of gratitude. Let us notice and give thanks for all those blessings, large or small, that have helped to lift our spirits this week. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Let's sing together once again. Our next hymn is number nine in the Green Hymn Books. So simple is the human heart. Um, this is one we hardly ever sing, and I think it might be a bit tricky, so Peter's going to play it through full in once before we sing. It is a lovely tune. I hope I got the words right this time. Let's cross our fingers. For the people on Zoom, they will be up on your screen. So again, feel free to stand or sit as you prefer. So simple is the human heart.
the stubborn gifts of breath and life uh, adapted by oh, from Maureen Killeran. The poet Adam Zajewski says, you must praise the mutilated world. It felt like being on the moon, walking on Mount St. Helens. Just a few years previous, that mountain had blown its top, destroying human and animal life, flattening vegetation and building for miles, and sharing its ash with the world. As we stepped from our car, we felt that ash drift like talcum round our ankles, rise in the air, enter our breath. Other than occasional blackened memories of trees, all was grey, grey as far as you could see. Silence seized us for the longest time as we stood there, two irrelevant humans and this huge mutilated world. Only gradually did our eyes slow and our hearts focus. Only gradually did we begin to see what was really before us. How had we overlooked the fireweed, that perennial volunteer, its brilliant buds proclaiming, hey world, we're back. What blocked us from celebrating the eager insect conversations around us? It was right there before us, and we nearly walked away. Overwhelmed by the devastation, we almost missed the tiny pond. Its surface literally dancing with more tadpoles than I'd ever seen. We do this, you see. We ensnare ourselves with the magnitude of what the poet called the mutilated world. We get busy and troubled and frightened. And then, incongruously, a reason to be glad and grateful, grateful breaks through. I need to remind myself to be thankful for intermittent beauty and the stubborn gifts of breath and life. I, maybe you too, need a practice of thanksgiving even if it just quietly, if it, even if just quietly to say, praise be. God of hope and healing, grant us courage to recognize life's blessings as we struggle to heal the wounds that shape our days. May we give thanks always, believing that even in the world's bleakest moment, <clears throat> the dance of life is always underway. Thanks, Brian. And uh, if you look on the front of your order of service, or if you're at home, you look at the bottom of the service text on our website, there's a little picture of the fireweed uh, in that location, the pioneer plant coming back after the uh, volcano. So we're moving now into a time of meditation. 
For the second week in a row, our words for meditation will be from Mary Oliver. Um, I make no apologies for that. She's brilliant. Her poem, Hurricane, speaks to today's theme. Perhaps as we ponder it, we might consider how humans could find hope in the resilience of the natural world. The poem will take us into a few minutes of shared silence, which I'll end with the sound of a bell. And then we're going to hear a well-loved tune from Peter to meditate onward. So again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable. You might want to close your eyes. You might want to get your feet flat on the earth. You might want to put down anything you don't need to be holding. And as I always say, the words and the music, they're just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. Hurricane by Mary Oliver. It didn't behave like anything you had ever imagined. The wind tore at the trees, the rain fell for days, slant and hard, the back of the hand to everything. I watched the trees bow and their leaves fall and crawl back into the earth. As though that was that. This was one hurricane I lived through. The other one was of a different sort and lasted longer. Then I felt my own leaves giving up and falling, the back of the hand to everything. But listen now to what happened to the actual trees. Toward the end of that summer, they pushed new leaves from their stubbed limbs. It was the wrong season, yes, but they couldn't stop. They looked like telephone poles and didn't care. And after the leaves came blossoms. For some things, there are no wrong seasons, which is what I dream of for me.
I don't know how many of you have read Where the Crawdads Sing. It is the first novel by wildlife scientist Delia Owens, and a film of the novel was released this summer. I chose it as a holiday read, and it is certainly engaging. I suppose you could call it a whodunit with a bit of romance thrown in. But what I loved about the novel is its setting in the marshlands of North Carolina. It seemed to correspond beautifully with our holiday location on Lille de Ray on the French Atlantic coast. Although the island is mocked as Paris by the sea and is indeed very busy during July and August, there are still many places which remain untouched and where you can feel at one with nature, much like the marshlands where Marsh Girl Kaya hides out in Fashak. Alongside this novel, I was reading a book by a Scottish journalist, Cal Flynn, called Islands of Abandonment. This acted as a rather ghastly contrast to the simple, untouched beauty I was allowing myself to revel in. Flynn writes about places which humankind has abandoned because of the damage done to them. Where polluting industries once flourished, places where wars are never really over, and where accidents which could have been prevented happened. One terrifying example is an area of Staten Island in New York, where the remains of an industry producing dioxin pollute the soil and will probably continue to do so forever. My island haven supports four industries besides tourism, each one dependent on the weather, and none of them seem to me to be massively polluting. I expect the famous Pont de Terre de l'Ile de Rey and the rather less famous wines do require some chemical intervention, fertilizers and weed suppressants. But the oysters surely just grow where they are seeded, and my favorite, the salt industry, is utterly dependent on the environment. Those who work in this industry coax the salt from the water by encouraging it to flow from one basin into a shallower basin, and it's utterly dependent on the environment. In the warm, sorry, until it evaporates, leaving the salt behind. In the afternoon sun, the shining white grains of the precious fleur de sel appear and are skimmed off into small piles all around the salt marsh. A shower of rain and the harvest is lost. Those who work in this industry use tools little changed since its inception in the 12th century. As I watch their silent working, I can see nothing here that would pollute the land. But I go back to Cal Flynn, a glutton for punishment, perhaps. There I find the story of Salt and Sea, which was not really a sea at all, but the result of a devastating flood in 1905, which created an impossible sea in the middle of a desert. 
The arrival of such a large amount of water in a place known as the Valley of the Dead was not entirely unwelcome, and by the 1950s, the area had become a booming tourist industry, with yacht clubs, skiing, and sports fishing once the sea was suitably stocked. But all this didn't last, as the sea boiled away under the desert sun, leaving behind waters more saline than the ocean, and killing off all the fish and the birds that had been attracted by the quiet waters under a cloudless sky. The same process which produces the sort on my island, but here doing terrible damage. One lovely idea in my holiday novel is how Marsh Girl Kaya is wooed by a young man who leaves bird feathers for her to find. As the novelist is a wildlife scientist, I assume it actually is possible to identify the eyebrow feather of a heron. I find it hard to even identify all the birds on my island paradise. Gulls, swans, egrets, the squabbling terns and the scampering sandlings I can recognize. But there are many others which I cannot name, but enjoy nonetheless. Carl Flynn writes about birds in a more alarming way. She decided to spend a night on an island of the Scottish coast, which had been abandoned since 1974. When the last people departed, they made sure that the door to the barn was open so that the cows could get out. Maybe they thought they would return. I can't help but admire Flynn's dedication as she spends a terrifying night alone on the island in order to observe how the cattle have fared without anyone to care for them. But what I found really upsetting is how she's attacked by the birds who obviously find a human presence threatening. As my holiday drew to a close, I continued to enjoy watching the vines grow heavy with grapes, admire the beautiful oyster shells, each one different from its neighbor, and rejoice at the sight of those glistening white piles of sand. The result of work done with respect for our earth. I was grateful also for the gifts nature herself offers, the wild flowers, the bright red berries beginning to show, and the variety of bird life everywhere. As I sat safely on a rock at the edge of the beach, watching huge waves crashing on the shore, sending sprays of sparkling droplets into the air before whooshing back, ready to surge again, I was filled with awe and wonder and a sense of something, call it God or Gaia or whatever, but something beyond my little life. And as I sat in wonder, I remembered that in 2010, people died when the sea invaded the island. Nature is powerful and has a will of its own. This summer, the heat and drought left our lawns and parks looking dry as dust. But a few showers of rain and they're fresh and green again without us needing to do anything. On her visit to Estonia, 
Flynn saw how nature can restore itself when left to itself. During the Soviet Union era, farmers had been forced to give up their land for a project of collective farming aimed at boosting production and freeing the peasant class from servitude. In 1991, when the Soviet Union disintegrated, the Estonian government subdivided the land once again, but, but it found it hard to persuade the original fathers, farmers to return and the land was abandoned. First the wildflowers returned, then thorn bushes, and now there are the ragged saplings of a wide variety of trees, and in a few years it is believed the abandoned fields will take their final form as a forest. An analysis of satellite images carried out in 2015 estimated that there has been about 10 million hectares of forest regrowth in Eastern Europe and European Russia since the fall of the Soviet Union. Flint says that this regrowth offers us not a pardon, but a reprieve from our fossil burning sins. It's not too late to change our ways. Besides all the devastation she has witnessed, she has learned that the world knows how to live. By the way, the abandoned cattle have continued to live and breathe without any farmer to care for them. At some point, perhaps we must just let go and give the earth a chance to respond to the damage we have done in the way only it knows how. The world knows how to live. It has a great capacity for repair and recovery if we can only learn to let it do so. Thanks, Patricia. And we're going to sing again uh, at Patricia's request, an old favourite, Blue Boat Home. The words are on the hymn sheet or they'll be up on the screen. Um, I always feel the need to point out the little gaps between verses are longer than, than you think they are. So listen carefully when it's your turn to come in. But Peter is extremely good at signposting when that is, so follow him.
Lovely. I could sing that every week. So just a few announcements now. Um, thanks again to Patricia for suggesting today's excellent theme and offering her thoughtful reflections on it. Thanks to Ramona for tech hosting and Janine for tech hosting at home, Brian for reading and Peter for playing lovely music for us. For those of you that are here in person, Liz will be serving coffee and tea. In fact, she's already gone to put the kettle on and I brought cake again, so stay and help us eat it. Um, we, uh, thanks to Marianne for greeting today. Uh, we are still looking for more people to help with uh, the coffee and the greeting, so do speak to Marianne or to Liz if you can volunteer. Uh, for those of you who are on Zoom, there will be virtual coffee afterwards, so do hang around for a chat. We've got various small group activities during the week if you want to meet up. Coffee morning on 9, 10.30 on Wednesdays. There's still spaces for Heart and Soul tonight or Friday at 7 o'clock. This is our contemplative spiritual gathering. It is a really good way to get to know people on a deeper level and to share about the stuff that matters most. This week's theme is ageing. Um, <laughs> Brian's seen the reading, so he's, he's chortling to himself. Um, our service next Sunday will be another hybrid one and it will be our special All Souls service where we take time to honour those we love who have died. Uh, you're invited to bring along a photo or a memento, whether you're in person or online, uh, bring along a photo or a memento to hold up or hold on to when we name the people we want to honour. Um, details of all our events are on the back of the order of service or on the Friday email. Uh, do save the dates for the next Green Spirit Gathering for sowing on the Tuesday the 1st of November and the Poetry Group on Wednesday the 2nd of November, both at 7 o'clock, I think. Our very own Heidi Ferried and Roy Clark are about to have an exhibition of their paintings and photography on a theme that is actually very pertinent to today's service. It's called Terrain, a Testimony to Nature in a Time of Change. It's at the Peggy J Gallery in Hampstead with a private view on the 8th of November at 6 o'clock. You're all very welcome to that. And it continues for a few days beyond that. Details of that were in the Friday email too. And looking further ahead, next month, we're planning to have a congregational service on the theme of simple pleasures on the 20th of November. If you might like to offer a short reflection for that, or even a very short video clip of something you do that you would commend to others as a way to take pleasure in life when times are hard. Have a chat if you would like to contribute in any way and we'll work something out. I think that's everything. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch and look out for each other. Let's do what we can to nurture supportive connections. So just time for our closing words and closing music now. We walk this earth a brief moment in time. Amid our suffering and struggle, let us remember how to celebrate life. Let us continue to grow in our capacity to love ourselves and each other. And let us do our bit to co-create a just and peaceful world community and a flourishing planet as custodians for the generations yet to come. As we depart, may we go our separate ways with a renewed spirit of hope and purpose and with the wisdom that we need to meet the days to come. Amen. <laughs>